Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial. Hi, I'm Bill, and I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR tra- transmits People Power Radio. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the 12-step programs and our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week I'm interviewing Drew via a Zoom recording, so welcome to the show, Drew. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. No worries. Uh, Drew's a compulsive gambler, recovering with the help of Gamblers Anonymous, and he's going to be talking about his journey of recovery. Uh, so, Drew, we usually start talking about you know growing up and things in the family, uh, going to school, things that influenced us, and sort of what led us down the path of gambling. So what was life like for you growing up? Um, yeah, so probably a pretty uh, ordinary sort of growing up, I suppose, just in a, in a social sense. So in terms of friends and uh, family and support networks, relatively normal. I think um, probably a little bit of a different situation with my parents in terms of them uh, being together but not living together in a sense. So I sort of spent um, most of my time with mum during the week and then uh, with my dad on the weekends and and mum was there as well. So um, yeah, and being an only child as well in that um, just throws a bit of a different dynamic into it. Um, But yeah, it was, um, so that was probably something that's uh, not typical for for everyone growing up. But uh, yeah, just in terms of my my social circles are pretty pretty normal, I'd say. Um, You know, probably just a little bit of tumultuous period, I suppose, in early high school. Um, just had to go on some, some medication for some arachitane, I suppose. And then at that point, um, yeah, I think I sort of found myself a little bit disillusioned with, with school um, and with the way things were going. And um, maybe not too different to, to some um, teenagers as well. I know we all sort of go through that, that period. And, um, yeah, sort of found myself um, you know, missing a year of school and then going back into, into high school and... Um, from there, you know, it, it was all uh, pretty relatively normal, I'd say, just a, a rocky period there. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we, we were, were you a good student? Uh, look, I think my report card would generally always say uh, Drew is capable of a lot more than he uh, puts out there. So um, yes and no, um, I think. So there were probably times there where when I applied myself, um, I could produce really good stuff. But um, yeah, a lot of the times it was just, going through the sort of bare minimum to get things done I think yep yeah was that because you weren't interested or didn't care? uh yeah look to a degree to a degree I wasn't interested I was more interested in the the social aspect of school you know it was for me it was about just going there and and spending time with your mates is really attraction for me you know you know I love that that time out that we had you know it's recess or lunch or you know kicking the footy or um you know whatever we're doing that that wasn't sort of um directly related to uh to education i suppose so it wasn't the learning aspect that so much attracted me um to school but yeah more of the social thing so probably yeah just trying to get away with with what i could just to get through i think okay um so what about friendship groups uh yeah so as i was uh alluded to earlier just with um going from missing that sort of year in high school. So going from transitioning from primary school to to high school, I sort of, most of my friends for whatever reason were in the year below me. 
Um, so I didn't really adjust to, to high school that well um, with that considered and sort of went through a, a few years and, um, as I said, didn't really enjoy it that much. And then, you know, when I missed a year of high school, went back into it, um, year 11 and 12 VCE, I was with those, those sort of people that were the year below me and, and um, yeah, just had a, a much better time. Um, with that and those people are still my sort of close friends to this day so um, yeah it all worked out for the best I think but yeah just a bit of a, a windy path to get there I think. Yeah okay um, so what about relationship with girls and things? Uh, yeah so I probably um, to a degree thought I was I don't know maybe a little bit too cool <laughs> for some of those things just um, throughout high school so I sort of had a little bits and pieces happening here and there but um, nothing really serious and it probably spoke to my lack of um, emotional maturity about those sort of things um, throughout that period and then you know, as, I, as I sort of got on and left school um, you know I was um, felt more comfortable I suppose in terms of committing in a relationship and understanding what a relationship's about um, and those sort of things and um, you know I've made some some great um, long-term relationships uh, from that. Okay uh, so when did you start gambling and what, what was the attraction? Yes, yeah, so I probably started gambling first when I was about 15 or 16. Um, initially, it was just um, probably like a, a lot of young guys, you know, you sort of go um, to the TAB with your friends and, you know, just put $5 on a, a race here or, you know, on a sporting event there and that sort of thing. And it's all um, a little bit of fun. And, uh, yeah, that, that probably continued um, and it sort of slowly escalated, I think just um, throughout me growing up um, and, and probably it was a, a slow deterioration I suppose I'd, I'd describe it as but um, yeah I didn't really think much of it in the first you know maybe maybe five or six years because I was still sort of living at home and, and didn't have a lot of uh, responsibility I suppose so it didn't um, I wasn't caused you know there was no reason for me to take accountability for it. Yeah so w what sort of gambling did you enjoy? So predominantly uh, sports um, was my, my favourite thing. Um, but yeah, it was um, <laughs> initially it was sort of sports, um, but then it would just, it'd just be anything um, at the end of the, um, you know, in the depths of my addiction, just, just totally anything, you know. I mean, uh, there was, I mean, I say sport. Um, when I say sport, I mean sport. And, and, and you know, I suppose I'm thinking back in terms of the, um, the depths of my addiction, you know, a, an average day might look something like, um, you know, say it was a, a Friday night, I'd, um, you know, come home from work and um, I'd have a pun on the, uh, the footy or the rugby and then I'd sort of go to sleep. I woke up the next morning and I'd usually play uh, football in the winter and that morning, without fail, every morning I was down there at TAB punting on the baseball that would uh, invariably happen before that and during, you know, when footy was on and also put some, some bets on for the footy in the afternoon. So it turned from, you know, baseball in the morning to, you know, when I'd finished um, footy to, you know, baseball, more baseball in the afternoon, football in the afternoon, then it'd be rugby in the afternoon and then, you know, football again and, you know, whatever sport was on, it sort of often it got to the point where, um, you know, I'd be up till four or five in the morning just on some ridiculous European basketball league I didn't know absolutely anything about other than there was two teams playing and I could put money on it. Um, and that was just a, you know, just a, I have some really um, dark memories of that, just a, just a terrible place to be just in terms of thinking that, you know, you the night out that you didn't have or, you know, the, 
the money that you lost that you otherwise would have spent on something uh, much more meaningful than than gambling. Um, you know, the, those uh, yeah, very vivid memories of, of those sorts of experiences. Yeah. Um, so what what was the attraction to betting on sports you didn't necessarily understand? Well, I think it was sort of just uh, desperation to an extent, really. You, you know, you, initially you, you, you probably want to, pun on something that you have some sort of idea about but um i suppose at the end of the day you know all, all compulsive gamblers uh, obviously have no idea because they start punning in the first place and you know it all we all end up in the same place regardless of what you what you pun on or what you think or who you are or you know you all end up in the same spot so um it was just a matter of i think yeah just being desperate really at the end of the day and you know you, you're just chasing and chasing and chasing something that um you know sometimes you might get get something back but at the end of the day um yeah, there was never a bet big enough. Um, there was never money enough for you to say, okay, yep, I'm comfortable and I'll stop now. You just, you just, if you won more, you bet more, and if you lost, you just chased it. So, yeah, yeah. you always end up in the same spot. Yeah. So it's often people often talk about about filling the void. So what what was it filling in you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'm trying to figure that myself for uh, for a while. Um, I remember when I first um, sort of went into GA and, and sort of, um, you know, wanted to, to fix the damage I've done essentially. And, you know, I remember the, the period sort of abstaining after that and, and just the, the minutes, just the seconds, they just go by so slow. And I'd sit around thinking, what the hell am I doing with all this time on my hands now? You know, like how am I filling this void? Otherwise, it used to be spent, you know, maybe 8, 10, 12, even more hours a day hunting and I'm sort of sitting around going well if I'm not going to do that like what else am I going to do you know like, I've already been to the gym um, you know you, you sort of start thinking to yourself well, what the normal people actually do uh, it's, a, it's a really 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 strange experience I, I definitely remember feeling that um, very much I was like well how do I feel this thing that essentially I've created an identity out of, of so such a long period of time and now it's stripped away from me um, how do I spend my hours how do I I filled my time. So the struggle for me wasn't so much what um, the void that gambling was filling. It was when you took gambling away, the void that was there that was left. How do I, how do I sort of fill that? Um, because I, I largely felt that I, I lived, lived a relatively normal life in terms of what I did and, you know, in relation to, you know, my friends and, and those um, you know, people I knew. I did very similar things. You know, we, we lived very similar lives. But with those sort of quiet hours and the downtime hours where I sort of would always spend um, – you know, gambling where, I don't know, they'd, they'd, they'd watch TV or read a book or, you know, learn Spanish or, you know, play an instrument or that, or that sort of thing. Just things I just didn't, didn't have a clue about, didn't have a clue about. Yeah. Uh, so when, once you left school um, and started working, um, did gambling impact on the work at that point or was it still um, in the background? Yeah, so it probably took a, a little while, I think, for it to um, to take hold. So while I was still sort of living at home and um, I did personal training after I finished uh, high school initially um, and I had a, a little bit of an impact there but not something I didn't think too much about. It was it was really only when I got to the corporate world and you know, I ended up studying psychology after uh, I finished personal training and got into a role in employee engagement, um, which I enjoyed very much and, and looked back on very fondly, um, which sort of gave me the start to my corporate career. But it was more there where it sort of really 
Um, yeah, it really escalated, I think, just in terms of the impact that it had on me. You know, that you know the time you spend at the, the desk and the you know your responsibilities are much higher, and you know the uh, the culture and the environment sort of goes uh, with that. There's a certain expectation that you're always presenting well, and um, you know you're always delivering great quality work, and you have great relationships with people, and that's always something that I I wanted to do and I cared about very much, but. Um, at the end of the day, I think, you know, gambling just, it, it became more important sometimes, you know, um, people often say that, you know, you, in the depths of your gambling addiction, you'll do anything to feed it. And, and that was absolutely true. You know, there were definitely points in there that were, um, there was nothing more important than gambling. And that, and that showed, you know, in my sort of concentration levels and the quality of work that I produced, um, invariably it would, um, it will come back to bite me, but, but not so much in the sense that I, I lost my job over it. You know, I was always sort of quite good at, at hiding it. But, um, you know, I knew that it really did, you know, inhibit things that I was capable of. Yeah. So what, what sort of things, how, how did it impact on your work? Was it just the, the thinking about it or was there more, did you actually leave work to, to gamble or what, what was the impact on the work? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned leaving work to gamble, and that that was something that I'd do quite often. You know, I'd sort of say, "I'll oh, go out for lunch or whatever it was," and you know, you'd um, you really spend as much time gambling as you want. Um, you know, you go in there and say, oh, "I'll just pop in there for five minutes or ten minutes," and you know, an hour later you're still there. Uh, and that was absolutely me a lot of the time, and that meant that I had to, you know, work later at night or start earlier in the morning. Um, you know, to, to make up for that shortfall. And obviously that had a, a snowball impact on whether it was my, you know, social engagements or relationships and, and those sort of things where I sort of had to make up things that, you know, fundamentally weren't true because the reality was, you know, I was gambling and that was losing me time and, and money and, um, you know, I'd spend working hours to do it. You know, there were absolutely absolutely times where I, where I had to do that. Um, many times, many, many times. Um, you know, particularly remember um, a time we used to get paid monthly, or I'm sure they still do get paid monthly, but, um, you know, at the end of the financial year party, there was, um, we, I think it was a financial year party was on a, a Friday night and on a Thursday, um, Thursday night we got paid and Friday was just sort of an easy, easy day where you just sort of bit of work in the morning and then at lunchtime, um, you know, you'd sort of around, sit around, have a chat and sort of sum up the financial year and then, uh, you know, begin the sort of festivities from there. And yeah, I remember um, that night there was a, a footy game on the, the Thursday night and I'd sort of gone to, to punt on that and, and lost. And then, you know, one thing turned to another and, um, you know, all of a sudden I'm at the casino at, you know, 4am, um, lost every dollar I've got and knowing that I had to front up to work the next day um, and just put on this front that, that everything was fine, you know, that everything was, was okay and that I didn't blow my whole paycheck in a number of hours, you know, that, that <laughs> pretend that I, that I was happy and everything was, was cool it was just... Um, it was really heartbreaking for me. It was just a very difficult, difficult thing to get through. And I wish I could say it was the only time that, that those sort of events occurred. But um, the reality was it, it wasn't. You know, it's just something that one of them that I remember um, quite vividly, um, just having to, to present that, put that facade on for people that, you know, I, I work with and I cared about and, you know, I had a lot of respect for, um, essentially just lying to them about, um, you know, what reasons why I don't have any money or why, you know, I have to leave or whatever that, whatever it might be. Um, 
but yeah, emotionally, you know, those sort of things definitely took their toll. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, um, we might take a short break. Interested in mental health issues? Then tune into Brainwaves every Wednesday at 5pm. Brainwaves is a peer-produced and presented program addressing issues that may affect you. 3CR, inclusive radio, making your voice heard. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Are you interested in listening to one of our many podcasts? Then head to your preferred podcast platform or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. When you're there, you'll also find details about the Living Free Show and how to contact us. Alternatively, you can just call the station, 3CR, on 9419 and leave a message. Uh, today I'm talking about compulsive gambling with Drew, and we're talking about recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so Drew, uh, we, we talked about sort of getting into gambling, but when does it, when does it really um, start to impact you, and what's the point when you have to take notice? Yep. Um, oh, yes, it's a good question. Um, I suppose there's a lot of, a few stages that sort of go um, with that. So initially, and I think you know, probably most people walking into GA for the first time would say the same thing that um, you sort of get, you get found out for whatever reason, whether it's, um, you know, usually you're significant other, but it could be some other, uh, one of your other family members um, or someone that you, that you care about a lot and cares about you. Um, and for me in that instance, it was uh, my mum, uh, sort of living with her at the time and, um, yeah, I'd sort of done a few things that I weren't, wasn't particularly proud of just in terms of, you know, um, taking money from her or stealing money from her, I guess, essentially that, uh, you know, I'd say to pay back that I, I never would or, you know, her unknowingly or me taking money from her unknowingly just to feed the addiction and um, and getting, getting found out. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a really difficult sort of, um, gutting feeling because you spend a lot of the time, you know, just in, in denial essentially that, you know, that you do have an issue in the first place and that, um, you know, you, you say it's not impacting other areas of your life, but, you know, it always is on, on some level or another. Um, you know, and certainly for me, the catalyst for me to go to GA in the first place um, was certainly the, the, the damage that I, I'd done in terms of my relationship um, with, with my mum and, um, you know, the the money that I'd, I'd taken from her and just, you know, being her and me um, in the household as well just, just made it, I suppose, all the more um, unpleasant, I suppose, when it, when it was bad. And, um, you know, there was a long period of me just, just denying it, just flat out denying that it ever happened, that I didn't do this, I didn't do that. And um, <laughs> it, it took a lot for me to actually come clean. Um, I think that was a, that was a, the beginning of the the process, I suppose, for me uh, seeking help in the first place. Yeah. So, did you go straight to GA? Um, so, Mum and I sort of talked about some ways that I could um, get, or we could get me some help. Um, and so, a few of those were, you know, counselling sessions and uh, or psychologists and. I think hypnotherapy and <laughs> those sort of things, but um, I found that those didn't largely work for me. Um, but then work, walking into GA for the first time, I, I sort of I think I eventually came to that conclusion just because it was something that um, that I was aware of that existed. 
you know, there was a, probably a bit of stigma attached to it in terms of, you know, what is GA all about? And, you know, I don't want to be associated with these, you know, bunch of desperate loser, compulsive gamblers. You know, I'm, I'm not like them. You know, I'm, I'm, that's not me at all. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but then when you, you know, when you, when you get in there and you get to see everyone and understand that effectively we're all in the same position and we've all followed a very similar path just in terms of the way that gambling has, has impacted us all. Um, and certainly the first ever place that I got to where I just felt like everyone understood, you know, you, you all had this common understanding of what compulsive gambling was all about. Um, a lot of people in GA talk about that, you know, you, when they go in there, that they swear they were looking in to a mirror. Um, it's absolutely true. You hear a lot of the, the same things that people say that you that you think experiences that you've lived, and there's just something really comforting about that, knowing that you you're sort of trying to work through it all um, together. And you know, I, I don't doubt that that was my absolute savior. I mean, there was you know, other things that weren't working for me, and I tried you know, cold turkey and um, <laughs> bizarre types of therapies as well. It just didn't have that sort of connection. Um, and sort of impetus that that GA has uh and it's just been yeah really really special for me and um you know look I, obviously you know it's I mean, it's not my first time um trying to recover and you know it's not my fifth crack at it now but you know it's just you learn for me I learn a little bit more each time and I get a little bit better each time you know and the relationships that I have there with the people um who understand what we're all going through, uh, you know, is something that, that really helps get me through. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have you'd turn around and look, you know, when I first um, confronted um, that I had an issue, that I wouldn't have said, well, there's no way I could go a week without gambling. I couldn't go an hour without gambling. So how the hell was I going to do a week or a month or a year? You know, it just it wasn't, it wasn't possible. It didn't seem possible. But, um, yeah, absolutely it is. And, yeah, I'm just very thankful, very thankful of uh, finding GA. Yeah. So what, what did you understand about gambling the first time you went? What was different? In the first, the first time that I went to GA? Yeah. Um, yeah, look, the first time I went in was probably more, I didn't say a lot. Um, I probably just sat there and just tried to, to take it all in and, and, you know, to an extent, probably, you know, as I say, that, that sort of stigma of like, who, who are all these people? You know, these, these compulsive gamblers, these, these losers, I'm not, I'm not like one of them. Um, but it's funny, you're, just, you're, you're exactly like all of them. You're all like each other. Not, we're not, not losers by any, any extent, but that's just the, the stigma that sort of goes with it. Um, so for me, it was just sort of really coming to understand that no one judges you there. You know, you, you walk in there and everyone understands you, you're fighting the same battle, um, you know, which is, which is a, a really... Um, a really heartening thing, I suppose, to see as well, just the success that people do have in the program. You know, you hear stories about people having, you know, uh, abstinence and recovery for, you know, 20, 30 years. And, uh, and they solely attribute that to following the GA program and just doing that um, exactly as the book says. So, you know, for me, it was sort of just coming to that realisation that, well, like this, this, this can happen and people do do it and they're, they're living proof. You know, it's um, the evidence is right here in front of you. And, um, yeah, that's something that I certainly took a lot of uh, comfort in. Um, and obviously, you know, it's still obviously a learning process for me and um, it's taken a lot of time to build up my understanding of um, really what the, the damage that, that gambling has done to me 
um, emotionally more than it is financially. You know, I think everyone goes in there thinking it's a financial issue when you first go in, but it, it, at the end of the day, it's not. It's just the financial issue is a reason why you're going in there, but it's uh, it's not the reason why you, you, you gambled in the first place. And, um, you know, it's not the solution to, to fixing it. You know, it's the, the emotional damage that you've got to repair. Yeah. So if it's not the financial, why do people gamble? What is it? Yeah, look, I think there's a few sort of traits um, of compulsive gamblers and you know i'm sort of no exception to this um as well it's you know it's i think there's something about like i'm a, a quite a competitive person and you know i don't like to lose um you know i don't like to lose and uh if you don't like to lose but you like to gamble um you're probably in the in the wrong space there so i think that a lot of people sort of have that mentality that you know i can i can beat the system or i'm different to that person you know i'm I'm above that i'm better than that you know it's um my way of doing it you know but it's funny the um no matter who you are or, or where you come from how much money you have what your situation is it did Gambling does not discriminate. You know, we, we all end up in the same place, exactly the same place at the end of the day. That, um, you know, we lose absolutely everything, you know, you know, with our relationships, our money, you know, we got creditors coming after us, um, you know, our social circles break down, you know, all of those things, you know, really suffer badly from gambling and um, it... <laughs> You know, uh, it, a lot of it is around sort of escaping, I think, as well. Just, the, you know, escaping that um, emotional aspect that um, that you just don't want to confront or you're not mature enough to confront. You know, I spoke a little bit about the lack of emotional maturity that I had when I was younger. And, and certainly, you know, gambling was a great enabler for that because I didn't have to take responsibility for anything. You know, I was um, very impulsive and impatient and I wanted to win. and you know, not a lot of things um, that I really cared about, really. Um, but gambling was, you know, was one of those. It's sort of like you, you sort of create this identity around gambling, which, you know, is crazy because at the end of the day, when, when it all comes crashing down, you realise that gambling is the, the reason that's led you down to the dark place that you're in and your identity is taken from you. you. You sort of, you think, well, well who am I? Um, yeah, and that's certainly been something that personally is very difficult for me to uh, been able to overcome. It's just understanding who am I um, without gambling because I've spent so much of my life doing it. Yeah, yeah. So what's it like to realise that you, you can't trust yourself in a gambling sense? How do you yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose it's, uh, look, it's, it's very easy and it's very difficult at the same time, you know. I, I sort of tried to um, uh, synthesise what that would, would look like, I suppose, just in terms of, you know, and how it's impacted my relationships, um, you know. And, and at the end of the day, really, it's if gambling's in my life, you can't trust me with anything. Um, and the sole reason being that I will do anything to feed that addiction because I'm a compulsive gambler. Uh, but if gambling's not part of my life, then you can trust me with absolutely anything. I'm a totally different person. And you know, I think many people um, who've been through um, been through GA and who are compulsive gamblers would certainly attest to that. You know, it, it makes you do things you thought, oh, that's, that's very uncharacteristic of me. That's not something that, that's in me. But you don't think it is. But it's, you know, it's the addiction that causes you to do those sort of things. You know, you, you'll do anything to feed it. So, um yeah, so it's it's difficult and it's easy at the same time. So you know, and I know, if I don't have gambling in my life, 
um, you know, I, I'm totally fine. Everything is going to be 100% easier to do. I can actually deal with things and I can, I can work through things. I can think about things. I can give things my full um, attention. Whereas if gambling's in my life, you know, I know that there's every aspect of my life that suffers to some degree. Yeah. So what's it like to have a break, you know, start gambling again and then have to go back to GA? What, what's it feel like? Yeah, that was probably one of the um, most confronting things for me. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, it's, um, my, it's my fifth time uh, recovering now. And, and certainly going back is is very, very difficult thing. Um, I think the, when you go into GA and, you know, you sort of get to know those people and understand what they've been through and they share their experiences and you share your experience, you, you feel like you have this... Um, this sort of connection, this bond where, where you, you sort of, you don't want to let yourselves but each other down um, and just going in there after a bus, it just it's really uh, really hard yeah, it breaks my heart um, really difficult thing to do and I struggle with that um, every single time that I went back after a bus um, and it got harder and harder the more, the, you know, the the more times I busted, the harder it got each time, you know, because the first time I sort of uh, went in just wanting to fix my financial problems and then I thought, oh, I'm above this. I can sort of do it myself, cold turkey and all that sort of stuff. Then you come back and, you know, you um, sort of think, oh, okay, well, maybe there's a little bit more to it and you sort of get more piece of the puzzle as you go. But, you know, you also build up those relationships with, with those people as well, um, you know, and they sort of get a perception of you and, you know, I think the thing is as well, you sort of think that um, if you think that everyone's, you might have this perception that people are judging you, but they're actually not. You know, no one in, in GA judges each other because, you know, at the end of the day, we all know that we're fighting a, a battle for life, you know, and compulsive gambling is not something that you win. You just um, <laughs> you just continue to, to fight the battles and, and push through and, um, and help each other through. And, you know, you can't judge someone because, you know, that could be you, the next day, you know, it really could be. Uh, and there's no telling what's, what's around the corner that can actually um, bring you to, to do those things. But it does happen, you know. I've seen people, certainly through GA, who have had 20-plus years up of abstinence and it just disappeared just like that, um, you know. And that's, that's a real stark reminder that, you know, you need to absolutely be adhering to the program as much as you possibly can because, um you know, once you have those little chinks in your armour, you know, you just got to make sure that you do have the right things in place to be able to, to defend against them because um, it's amazing the damage it can do in a, in a really short period of time. You know, it really is incredible. And, and, and every time um, I come back, and this has spoken about a lot about the meetings as well, you know, every time you come back after a bust, you think you've hit rock bottom. Um, but little do you know, the next time you bust, it's a lower bottom. And it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's an endless pit. It's an endless pit of, of, of misery um, that, um, that just keeps going. And it's just, it's amazing how you can tell yourself you understand it, but um, you really can't until you, until you live it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I've heard, heard in AA they talk about, um, you know, every rock bottom's got a basement. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I have to absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but to come back, you've got to admit it to yourself first before you come in. So, what's it like admitting it to yourself? 
Yeah, that's right. And that, that's, that's the thing that, um, that I think is really difficult, um, especially after you've got a, a certain um, period of time up. You sort of think that, you know, maybe you've, you've got to a point where, um, you know, it's, it's easier and you can deal with it a bit more. Um, you can deal with it a bit easier and you've got different ways of managing it. Um, but then, you know, when you, when you wake up the next morning, and I do remember this several times, waking up the next morning after a bus thinking, oh, I can't even believe this is real. I can't even believe that I woke up the previous day um, and it, gambling wasn't even in my mind remotely. And now I'm waking up the next day knowing that I've gambled. Um, and and I, I could not bring myself to go back there straight away. You know, I could not bring myself to, to admit it to myself or to, to, let, to know that I've let those people down. Um, NGA as well as myself. Um, so invariably, I just started gambling again and just going into the exact same habits that I had before. You know, the the amounts of bets were the same. The, the compulsion was the same. The time and energy and effort I spent to it was like, oh, just, just like that. All that time was just out the window. Um, it's incredible how quickly it can change, you know, and, and you can never... Um, underestimate that, and uh, yeah, that was a, a really, really difficult, uh, difficult thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, listen, we might take another break. You're listening to 3CR. We're at this time we're bringing you slightly different programming than usual, but rest assured, we're still here, bringing you radical, alternative current affairs, music, and community language programming. Stay tuned to 3CR. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR. Digital radio, live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Uh, and I'm talking to Drew about recovering from compulsive gambling with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, so, Drew, um, we, we were talking about um, being in and out of uh, Gamblers Anonymous and, you know, sort of going back to gambling. So what's, what are the, what's sort of the process that leads you to becoming a bit more uh, relaxed in GA but you start gambling again. Yeah, well, I think that's the um, that's the thing that I found to be um, probably the biggest challenge was just that sort of being content and being complacent about um, where you are. It's sort of like um, <laughs> you forget how bad things can be. You know, I've said this a, a couple of times at the meetings, but you know, if you could, you just bottle up all the pain and suffering and misery that you feel when you walk in GA for the first time and you can take a sip of that every time you felt like gambling, you'd never gamble again. (laughs) Um, But unfortunately you can't do that. Um, You know, and and sometimes your brain is a bit of a short term memory in that regard, you know, and it's just that, that sort of thought that, well, you know, having a bet, how much damage can it actually do? You know, it's just one bet. Um, doesn't matter all that much. Um, but, you know, one bet's not one bet, you know. And I remember the first time that the complacency really got me, um, it was just so innocuous. I mean, I, I'd had probably, well, over a year um, abstinence and, and gambling was the, the furthest thing from my mind, you know. But I'd, I'd knocked off work um, early for, for whatever reason. I was walking past the venue and uh, I remember I saw some basketball playing there and, and I just thought, oh, okay, well, that's on this afternoon. I can sort of go home and watch that. And 
you know, maybe I'll make that interesting, you know, and I sort of, I thought about for about 30 seconds, I thought, well, I've been off it for, for this long and, you know, I, I feel okay now. I haven't really thought about gambling at all. So, you know, maybe, maybe I can go back to being um, a normal person, just gamble like normal people do, just, just socially. Um, and that was absolutely the wrong answer, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, that just started the spiral again. Um, you know, it was funnily enough, you know, I, I remember I, I won that bet um, and it was a significant amount of money that I put on there. Um, but I just didn't, it didn't stop. It was like, I've got to go again, you know. And I found myself back there the very next day and all the, the work and energy and effort I put in, it's just like it never existed, you know. So as I say, it was just sort of, you forget how bad it can actually be. And then that, you know, months of, of gambling and um just ended in financial ruin and as i said a new low lower bottom um the um you know the rock bottom basement as you called it. it it just it was exactly that and it was something that you know i remember i we woke up the next day and i thought well you know how, how can this be how could i have done this and then i sort of just denied it for for months and months and things just got worse and worse and you know it just it spiraled out of control again um and it took me a long time to go back into ga and then when i did get back in there and i knew that was the right thing to do i knew that all along but i just had a gr- really difficult time admitting to myself that um i'd actually done what i'd done um and then going back there and knowing because i'd stopped going to the ga meetings you know i um i just thought to myself well um not that i'm cured but you know i, I don't need this anymore there are other things that are more important in my life there's time that I'd rather be spending doing something else um, than, than being a GA. And that's generally what I thought. Um, I, I certainly don't think that these days, and I know how important it is to keep on top of things. You know, it's a, it's a constant, you know, it's a, it's a battle that you, um, that you have to fight all the time and you have to be um, hyper aware of, you know, and there were little things that sort of got to me, you know, that I, I didn't realize that were, were, breaking me down you know things like playing fantasy football and fantasy cricket and you know you'd be uh, watching something and you know the gambling ads would come on the tv or the radio or uh, a billboard and you know there were just so many things that i just i thought i'd just let them wash over me it doesn't matter you know i'm, I'm impervious to that sort of stuff but you know i've come to understand that those things that they just break it down they just plant the seed that the game gambling's there and it's an option and you can do it but the reality is I, I can't have that in my life. If I want to give myself a chance to be happy, then I can't have gambling in my life. It's pretty much as simple as that. So everything that involves gambling, I just have to cut out, um, you know, without question. Yeah. <clears throat> so in GA, there's a lot of people who've got a lot of experience. So what's it like sort of tapping into that experience? Yeah, that's a, a fantastic uh, resource to have. You know, those people, um, as I say, it, it's really heartening to see those people and the success stories that they've had over such a, a long period of time. Um, but the, the funny thing is, and um, there's a, um, a long-time uh, GA member that I've um, uh, seen at Calton a, a lot of times um, in the past, and he's sort of moved away now, but, um, you know, <laughs> he... Um, I remember he told a story about a a guy, I think when he was, because um, he was you know, had very bad compulsive gambling issues and I think at the, the sort of start of his um, 
recovery period. He was he was speaking to a, a guy who was working in the same industry as him, and, and the guy had everything. You know, he had he had the nice cars and the nice houses, and he was all he was very happy, peaceful, you know, loving guy. Just you know, and he was absolutely in awe of him. He said, "Well." He asked him and said, well, just, you know, you tell me, like, what's, what's the secret? What's the secret to all of this, you know? And he said, the secret is there is no secret. <laughs> um, it's just hard work, perseverance, and patience, you know? Um, and that's essentially what recovery is about, you know? You've really got to persist. And if you live the program, do the program the way it's supposed to be done, not your way, because I've seen people and i've been guilty of it myself certainly um trying to have their own sort of version of the program and once you start doing that you, you know you, you mess with the formula and and things don't work out um the way they were intended and and it doesn't work um so as long as you follow the program and do the things that you're meant to do and exactly what the book says um you will achieve continued recovery you know and that's what these people have done that's that's the that's what they say that's what they all say so i, I did what the book said and i've kept doing that and i kept i keep going to meetings and i don't become complacent because i come here you know every week or a couple of times a week and i see i hear the stories from people i understand the things that they've been through i've been there myself you know and it's the different experiences that people share with they're new to ga or you know they've been there for you know 20 30 years everyone's got uh, a story to tell and there's always um you know some some really stark reminders in there and people say you know it's, it's about getting your medicine and absolutely it is it's about feeding off um those people as well and the things that they're going through and, and to an extent it's it's things not to do you know you, you learn what to do as much as what not to do and you see what doesn't work for people um and that's a fantastic resource as well you know there's, there's something you can learn off off everyone at ga and i think that's just a um a really fantastic um way to think about it is just to, to draw off every resource you can because there's there's plenty of people in there with um with different experiences and, and different takes on things and, and varying degrees of success yeah <clears throat> um the other thing is the understanding that it's basically a chronic illness um isn't it it's 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 the same addiction process as aa except without the allergy so you're not allergic to the alcohol, but once you start, the mental process kicks in and you repeat the pattern. And so it's, it's understanding that your, your thinking has a problem with that process and that you, you, can't, you can't enter that game, if you like, because your thinking will lead you down one path. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um, so, um, it has, as I sort of touched on before, it's you can do as much work as you like, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I mean, I could have 20 and I've, I've seen this and heard it before in GA as well. You know, I can have, and there was one example there. I see a guy, I think he had 20, 21 years up or something like that. Um, and he blew every cent that he had saved in those 21 years in six hours. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just, just, it's incredible the amount of damage that it can do in such a short period of time, you know, and and it's amazing. You just go back to being that old compulsive gambler that you were that, that part never leaves you. Whatever type of compulsive gambler you were when you, 
uh, or in the depths of your gambling addiction is invariably what you'll return to whenever you do start gambling. You know, there's no two ways around that. It might take, you know, a period of time to escalate to get back to that level, but it does always get back to that level. Um, you know, I can say I've seen that a lot of times at GA and myself personally, absolutely no exception. Um, you just go straight back into it. And it's just, it's amazing that the stranglehold that it has on you, you know, it's, it's sort of like a, I was thinking of it a bit of a, a silent killer in a way. Um, just, just in terms of the damage it does to people, that's not often visible. You know, you, you can alcoholics, you can see alcoholics, and you can see drug addicts. Um, but the visibility of it is just not there. But the damage that it's doing emotionally, like if you strip back what a compulsive gambler looked like emotionally, if you could see emotions. Um, of different types of addicts, uh, <laughs> I have no doubt that um, you know gambling addicts. They would look absolutely horrible. They look horrible. You just but you don't see it, um, and therefore people they don't don't think about it as much. It's much easier to to sweep under the rug. And you know, compulsive gamblers they don't help themselves in a sense that you know we we lie and cheat and steal and do anything we can to feed the addiction, um, which doesn't bring into the fore of of getting people to understand that it's a it's a really massive issue and in australia it's it's a huge issue it's a huge issue that you know it's almost taboo for you know the government to um to talk about any sense of any any real help you know those tokenistic sort of gamble responsively messages at the bottom of the ads i mean it's just it's just absolutely mental the way that it's accepted for being what it is when they know the level of damage that, that it can do, they know full well the level of damage it can do. And there's, you know, just about everyone around um, knows someone who's, who's affected by gambling. Whether they know the extent of it, probably not. But the fact of the matter is it's there and it will come to the service at some point. Yep. All right, yep. Personal experience, yeah. Um, so... The other thing is um, I want to talk about was relationships. So how much better are your relationships now that you're in GA than they were before? Yeah, oh, they're 100% better. Um, just the, you know, the, the thing that I found the most noticeable is just the ability to, hey, look, you need a bit of time up for this to be able to, to kick in, but just the, the ability to be able to be present in a conversation, you know, not, not thinking about your next bed or your last bed or where your next dollar is coming from or what the score is, you know, on your phone or anything like that because, you know, that they just cheapen all these um, social interactions you have, whether it's your relationship with your, your partner or your friends or your family or whoever it might be. Um, it's just something that you can't really put a price on that because it, you're allowed to sort of form these deep relationships where you can sort of let someone in to understand you fully because at the end of the day, if you're a compulsive gambler, you do everything you can to hide a lot of the things that you do. Um, and you know that you're doing that because you don't want someone to find out about, you know, who you really are. And that, that's the really tragic part of it. Um, you know, you make an identity out of gambling to an extent and you don't want people to, to know about that but yet you're trying to form a, a deep relationship with someone um, and you won't really let them in so how can you expect them to to let you in you know it's um it's something that you you just you can't really build those things properly 
uh, when gambling's in your life. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah. So it's all about honesty and trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, if there's anybody out there who'd like to find out a bit, find out a bit more about Gamblers Anonymous, uh, then you can find them in Victoria on 03969661086, or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au, and you get more information there, and you get some local phone numbers and meeting lists. Um, that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Drew for coming in um, and recording this for us today and sharing his gambling and recovery story with us. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Bill. Uh, join us again next week when we'll feature recovery from compulsive drinking and we'll be joined by Jeff and Christina from Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, thanks for listening and stay tuned now for Alternative, uh, hosted by Robbie. And to take us out, we've got a song by uh, Les Thomas. Uh, he's a local uh, singer-songwriter, and this is from his 2013 album, Survivor's Tale. And the song is These Machines Cut Razor Wire. Songs on picket lines after downing tools from painting signs. Woody was a Dust Bowl refugee. But the one sign he painted on his guitar, his words for the world that traveled far, words that carried on to you and me. This machine kills fascists, rang out clear. Unite good workers, you nothing to fear. This land will be ours some sunny day. Deportees all those years ago About the heartless voices on the radio Jesus, a Maria, come and stay Live till the present day, bet it'd speak out loud and have a lot to say. Maybe his machine would cut razor wire. Still a hard time to be a refugee. This land and ours, we're still not free. This machine will cut razor wire. When you're home in this world is a three-foot cell, you know they're sending human rights to hell. This machine cuts razor wire. Do you think the jailer can understand that they're immigrants on stolen land? These machines could raise a while. Cut raise a wire. These machines cut raise a wire. These machines cut raise a wire.